Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, many of you would have seen the movie The King's Speech, and the true story behind the story of The King's Speech is the story of a man from Australia called Lionel Logue. Lionel Logue uh, was the man who helped King George VI uh, get over his stammering and stuttering, which he had since the age of eight. And uh, he tried and tried and tried, and he saw experts, but just couldn't get over his stammering. In fact, one of the most famous speeches King George gave was at the British Empire Exhibition way back in 1925, and it ended in humiliation and embarrassment. And he had tried so many different people. He was then eventually encouraged by his wife, Elizabeth, who said, try this man. And so he went to see Lionel Logue, who was living in the dingy part of London. He'd arrived two years earlier with his three sons on a boat from Australia and was renting rooms. And the king met with him. And uh, he began to give the king some breathing exercises coupled with some tongue twisters. And the amazing thing was it began to work. And uh, my point today is this, is Lionel Logue was the, was the son of a pub owner from Adelaide, yet he became a confidant and a friend of a king. Why? How's that possible? Well, it's very simple. The king had a need and Lionel Logue met that need and he met it really well. And the queen mother would later write after the king's death, to Lionel Logue privately, it all came out later, but she wrote privately and she said this in February 1952. She said, I know perhaps better than anyone just how much you helped the king, not only with his speech, but throughout his whole life and his outlook on life. I shall always be deeply grateful to you and all that you did for him. You know, one of the things we don't enjoy in life is having a need and feeling dependent on others. But God often allows need because he uses it to build relationships. And so need can seem like a negative thing, but actually it's a positive thing because it brings the most unlikely people together and it brings us to God because we need to depend on him. When you've got no needs, you have no need for anyone. You have no need for God. And so needs, when we consider them for a moment, you think, man, I've got needs today, financial needs, emotional needs, my business needs, it's terrible. Well, actually, no, it's not. Need is actually a very good thing, and God uses needs. So today I want to speak to you about the positive power of needs. The positive power of needs. Because sometimes we think, if I had no need, then I'd be happy, and I'd be in a position of strength. But God always leaves need. Let me remind you of a passage of scripture written to the church at Laodicea where the Lord Jesus speaks to them about need. And he says, I know you well. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you're merely lukewarm, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich with everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that spiritually you are wretched and miserable and poor, blind, and naked. You see what he's really saying is if you don't have a need, it's actually not a great place to be because then you don't need God. And so to have a need is actually not a negative thing. 
I don't like having needs. I like having more than enough. I like being in a position of strength. Sometimes a bit of, I'm a bit embarrassed for people to help me when I need things carried because I, I, have to, I need someone. But actually God says it's a good thing when you have needs. And sometimes we're embarrassed by our needs. Maybe today you've got some huge needs, financial needs. Maybe there's no salary coming in. Maybe you've got a business and the needs are huge. You've got premises. I want to tell you, it's a positive thing to have needs because God will bring people your way and you will lean on him more than you've ever leaned on him before. Don't be embarrassed by your needs. In the book of Judges, we read about a Levite and his concubine and they're traveling on their way home. And they stop in a city or a little village and they're sitting in the village square and they're approached by an old man who wants to offer them hospitality. Judges 19. And I want you to notice how the Levite doesn't want to admit his need. It says, uh, he answered the old man, we're on our way from Bethlehem in Judah to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim where I live. I've been to Bethlehem in Judah and now I'm going to the house of the Lord. No one has taken me in for the night. Now notice what he says. We have both straw and fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for ourselves, your servants, me, the woman, and the young man with us. Then he says, we don't need anything. You see, we don't want to be a bother to anyone. We don't want you to meet our need. We can meet our needs ourselves. But notice what the old man says to them. He says, you are welcome at my house. The old man said, let me supply whatever you need. Only don't spend the night in the square. So he took them into his house and fed his donkeys. And after they had washed their feet, they had something to eat and drink. Most of us don't like other people to meet our needs. Unless, of course, we feel entitled or we're very needy people, then we expect everyone around us to meet our needs. But the average person doesn't like having needs or letting other people know that they've got needs. But it's part of God's purpose in our lives that we have needs and God uses that. The old man said, don't deny me the privilege of meeting your needs. And you know, as you think about need today, did you know that Jesus had needs? Jesus needed people to support him. The scripture says in Mark chapter 15 that in Galilee, there were women that followed him and cared for his needs. The Bible's pretty clear about it. Jesus had needs. And also on one occasion, he sent his disciples ahead to get a donkey. And he said, go uh, and, and untie this donkey. And if anyone say, says to you, what are you doing? You say to them, the, the master needs it. So Jesus had needs and needs are not negative. There's a positive power in need. I want you to see your needs in a different light today. So let me give you th six things that speak about the positive power of need. Number one, this is most important. God allows needs to foster relationships. God will always leave needs so that people come together and that we also draw near to him. But let's talk about the personal relationships first. When you have a need, you need people. And uh, it, it's not an embarrassing thing. It's the way God has designed us. The apostle Paul admitted his needs just like Jesus did. And people met his needs. And as a result, they became closer. You know, if you've ever had anyone in your life who's met your needs in a very special way, you've never forgotten them. You never forget the gifts people give you. You never forget the kindness they show you. Many years ago, when we were, we were very young, we needed a motor car because we'd been in an accident. And a couple came along and they bought us a motor car. They met our need that we couldn't meet ourselves. I was embarrassed by it. I felt, wow, everybody knows about it. These people are, man, they shouldn't be giving us this money. But it brought us close to that couple and a lifelong friendship ensued from there meeting our need. God always leaves needs 
in order to foster relationships. And he did it with the Apostle Paul. He did it with Jesus. Notice the Apostle Paul here in Philippians chapter 4. He talks to the church at Philippi, and he says, I know what it is to be in need. Godly man of God, full of faith, but he had a need. And he says, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In other words, I can't always have it good. He says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you, watch this, to share in my troubles. In other words, you Philippians noticed I had a need and you took an interest. Then he goes on to say, moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. In other words, you were sensitive to my need. For even when I was in Thessalonica, I was away from you, he says. You sent me aid again and again when I was in need. They were sensitive to his needs, and it fostered a very special relationship. Now, I love this. He says, these, these gifts that you've given and these needs that you've met, they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful thing. They were sensitive to his needs. They met his needs as a man of God. And then he says, because you met my needs, I've become close to you, you've become close to me, and God will now meet your needs according to his glorious riches. God always leaves needs to foster relationships because that's how people come together. You know, if you didn't need anybody, you'd have no friends. If you didn't need people, you wouldn't be in business. If you didn't need an income, you probably wouldn't go to work. Needs cause us to foster relationships and it causes the world to go around. So if you've got some big needs today, don't allow them to weigh you down. Don't allow them to cause worry in your life. Realize, hey, God's allowed these and he's going to use people in my life to meet those needs, and so I'm not going to be concerned. Think about marriage. Marriage is between two people who meet each other's needs. They've decided that they need each companionship. They each need love. They each need sex, so they get married. Single people have decided they don't need that or don't want it, and so as a result, they stay single. If you're a bachelor or a spinster, maybe you haven't found someone, but generally, people who stay bachelors or spinsters till late in life, it's like, well, I don't really need that in my life. And uh, they say that when, when your need uh, for someone uh, gets really high, that's when your fussiness disappears, and that's when you eventually get married and you take on someone. God always leaves need in your life. That's how couples come together. That's how people come together. And so it's not a bad thing. Over the years, I've met lots of people, and you know, I've met people who say this to me outside of church. They say, I don't need a church. What they're really saying is, I'm strong at the moment. Everything's going well in my life. I've got money, and I'm not weak emotionally, so I don't need that kind of thing. But I tell you what, everybody at some time in their lives comes to the end of themselves, and they will need God, and they will need others. And the church is God's place where people with needs can meet each other's needs, and they can join together together. And they can share with one another in unity. And uh, that's why online church is not something permanent. Because we're not meant to be consumers of content. But contributors meeting the needs of others. Serving others. Giving of ourselves. And that's what makes life healthy. God always leaves need in order to foster relationships. 
Paul, in writing to the church, uh, speaks about this in, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians. And he talks about the fact that we can't say we don't need church. We really do. In fact, I'm looking forward for us to get back together and this entire building to be filled and for us to be rejoicing because it's part of God's plan. Notice what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 21 about this meeting of needs and relationships. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. He's using the body as an analogy of church. He says, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. No, we need each other in our bodies and in the church. And he says, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, he says, we treat with special honor. So like your big toe, it's hidden away, but it's very important because it keeps your balance. And he says, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Your reproductive organs are hidden away, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. And then he explains how church works with the body. He says, but God has combined the members of the body and given greater honor to all the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Then he makes this point, if one part suffers, Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Can you see God's made us for relationship? He leaves need in order to foster relationship. And God often allows needs so that we become friends with people. We're drawn to business with customers. You, 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 you go to work and do a job because you need people. And God allows need. It's not a bad thing. He uses it positively. So if you've got needs today, remember God's using them to build bridges to other people and to bring you into a church where you can serve others because the church is a place where everybody has needs. And some people criticize the church, but the church is needy people serving each other for the glory of God. Number two, the second positive thing about needs is this, the greater the need, the greater the life. If you've got big needs today, you say, man, I'm believing God, we owe millions. I've got two months salary that, I, that I've got to make up. I haven't had money coming in. Well, the bigger the needs, thank God, the bigger your life. Because people with small lives have small needs. But, but it's clearly indicating that you've got a big life. If you're having to pay a loan on your home and you've got cars and you, you've got various expenses and you, you've, you've got a fairly high food budget, well, I tell you what, you're living well. So the greater the life, the greater the needs. If you're a business person listening to me today, Today and you say, man, I've got staff to pay. I've got buildings to maintain. I'm not getting any income in. This, this shutdown has really limited me. And so your needs are becoming obsessive. No, you need to realize the greater the need, the greater the life. Because the bigger your life, the bigger your needs. Consider for, the, for a moment the comparison between a single young man living in one room versus the president of a nation. Think of a president of a nation, what he needs, how large his life is. Think of our president. He needs vehicles and staff and bodyguards and information and wisdom. And he needs offices. He needs to travel the world. He needs a private jet. His needs are huge because he's living in a big world. But then you take a single man. He's just living in a little room. All he needs is a bed and a TV. He just needs takeaway food. He could catch a taxi. He's living a small life, so he's got small needs. So the bigger your needs, the bigger your life. So stop making your needs an issue. Say, thank you, Lord. These needs show that I'm living a big life. I'm going to trust you to meet my needs. And Lord, you always leave need in order to build relationships. And I'm sure you're going to meet my need, Lord, or people are going to come along in my future and help me meet 
my needs. Number three, the third positive thing about the power of a positive need is this. The greater the need, the greater the dependence on God. You see, the greater our needs are, the more we tend to depend on God. The smaller our needs, the more like, we'll sort that out ourselves. I'm fine at the moment. I'm doing well. I'm feeling good. Then we don't tend to pray. We don't tend to draw near to God. But when you've got a big need, you owe millions, or there's a serious problem in your marriage, or your business is in trouble because of COVID, the tendency is to come to God and to begin to depend on Him. When you don't have needs, that's when you don't really need God. And you don't go to church. You don't read your Bible. And it's the picture of humanity. That's what people are like. Now, in Luke chapter 15, there's the story of the, of the prodigal son or the parable of the prodigal son. And the story is told he lives in a wealthy home. His father is rich. They're well off. He doesn't need anything. And as a result of having no need, he removes himself from his father. Because when you don't have a need, you withdraw from Father God. And that's the picture in the parable. But the story goes on to say, yeah, and I'd like to read it, of what happened to this man when need developed in his life. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 14, it says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. That's like a severe lockdown or a severe recession. And it says, and he began to be in need. And you say, well, it's terrible. No, actually, no, it's not. It's wonderful. Because it says, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He started really doing some work. He'd had it so good. And then it says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. Talk about need. Man, he was in desperate need, willing to eat pig slop. Made him appreciate his home. And it says, but no one gave him anything. Then notice, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, watch this, and go back to my father. Can you see? When you, when you have no need, you remove yourself from your father. But when you have a need, you go back to your father. Now watch. And it says, and I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. You see, prayer is the natural result of having a need. But when you don't have a need, you leave father. You don't talk to father. But the minute a need arises, it's a positive thing because you come back and notice his humble spirit. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me. In other words, I need you. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went back to his father. So it's important to see that when we have a need, that's when we depend on God and God leaves needs so that we'll come to him, we'll speak to him, and we'll come back into fellowship with him. Number four, the fourth positive thing about needs is this, the greater the need, the less pride and self-sufficiency. You know, it's so easy to be full of yourself when you're strong and you don't need anyone and you've got enough money and you've got several cars and several homes and you've got lots of money in the bank and you, you start to think, you man, I, I, don't need, I don't need anybody and I'm self-sufficient. But it's not a good thing to be full of pride and self-sufficiency. Pride says, I don't need anyone. But when you're in need, you say, oh, if only someone could help me. And God allowed need in the lives of his children when he was taking them through the wilderness. As Israel traveled through the wilderness, God created need so that they'd lean on him and they wouldn't become prideful. He could have taken them into a blessed land immediately and they would have said, man, look what we did. 
But the scripture says in Deuteronomy that he allowed them to experience need. Let me read it to you from verse 2. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. Now notice, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. He created a need, then he met the need, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You see, God allowed need so that they wouldn't rely on their resources alone, but that they'd rely on him. And people are often self-sufficient and they're fine. I don't need church. I don't need God. You know, I've, I'm a self-made man. Well, that's not a good place to live because I've watched people over the years. I'm old enough to tell you this, that as you go along in life, sooner or later, you'll have a need. Sooner or later, things will go wrong in your life and you didn't think it could happen to you. I've watched people get sick and now suddenly they turn to God. Why? Because they lived in the pride of good health and self-sufficiency of their own strength. But there's a time where God leaves needs and there's positive power in needs because it removes us of our pride. We realize we're just human beings and we come to him and we're no longer self-sufficient, but we trust and rely on him. Number five, the fifth positive power of a need is this. The greater the need, the less the selfishness. I've discovered that the greater the needs in our lives, the less selfish we tend to be towards others because we are aware of need. You know, the more you've gotten, the more in luxury you live. Like the prodigal, the more you become unaware of how hard life is for some people. And uh, in Romans chapter 12, we're reminded, share with God's people in need and practice hospitality. God is saying, don't just think about yourself, but meet the needs of those around you. And when you see those needs, uh, practice hospitality. We can't take people into our homes, but we can be need meters because that's what God does. He meets our needs so that we can meet the needs of others. Your needs are not met so that you can live in luxury and in pride. Your needs are met so that you can live in a life where, where you're blessed, but then you can meet the needs of other people. In Ephesians chapter 4, notice what, what uh, the apostle says, and I think this is good for our country that we're living in at the moment. He says, he who has been stealing, in other words, taking uh, what others need, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. You see, when, when you realize you, what need is like, you no longer take what others need, but now you start to work so that you can share and have your needs met, but then you also share and meet the needs of others. Think of the poor people in our country at the moment. Uh, during lockdown, there's some people who are living on a daily income and that's just been cut off. We need to think about the poor because when we give to the poor and we meet the needs of the poor, we're actually giving to God and we're living a life that's unselfish. Proverbs chapter 19, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him for what he has done. God expects us to not be selfish because when we become aware of need in our lives, we go, hang on a minute, I need to meet needs. Dr. Robert Schuller, the late Dr. Robert Schuller has said this. He said, find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. It's so important for us to be sensitive to need. And I find when I'm in need, that's when I become aware of the needs of others, and that's when we become sensitive to the plight of people. Have you noticed how poor people are often more generous than rich people? 
Is it that rich people are stingy? No, I think they are immune from need. They, they, become, they, they become so unaware that anyone could have a need that that's why they're not generous. But poor people know what it's like to be in need. So when they see others in need, they're sensitive to that need and they meet that need. So the greater the need, the less the selfishness. I hope you can see today that it's so important that need is not a negative thing, but it can have tremendous benefits because it fosters relationships, it brings us to God, it removes pride, and it makes us aware of the plight of others. Lastly, today, the positive power of need, number six, is the greater our need, the more wonderful our God. You know, if you have a great need, the more wonderful God is in your life. If you don't have a need, well, who's this God, you know? Who's God? But when you've got a need, when you've, when you've got cancer, or you've got a disease, or you've got a huge financial need, when that need is met, you suddenly discover how amazing God is. When you're in sin and you realize my life's a mess, I'm a failure, look at, my, look at the sin in my life, suddenly you discover the wonderful forgiving God because the need makes you aware of this amazing God. You see, people who are not aware of their sin, they think God is nothing. Who is God? There's no God because they're not aware of their need. But when you become aware of your need, the, the more you become aware of your need, the more you become aware of this wonderful God. So right now, if you've got needs in your life, financial needs, business needs, you need to pay staff, you need an income, let me tell you, it's a wonderful thing because now you'll discover just how wonderful God can be because the bigger the need, the more wonderful the God. You know, when you realize in your life that you've got sin and that your life is messed up, maybe you're watching me today and your life is messed up, maybe you've killed someone, Maybe you've been on drugs. Maybe you've done things that you're deeply ashamed of. Well, you, you have a need for forgiveness and you have a need for salvation. That's wonderful because you're going to discover the wonderful God who meets needs and who blesses people. Notice here in Hebrews chapter 4 what it says. It says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, God's acknowledging that we need him. And he says, you can come with your need to the throne of grace and you can find help. If your sin is big and you feel embarrassed by it, don't be because I'm the God who meets the needs of sin. I forgive through my son, Jesus. If you feel your needs are huge financially and emotionally, don't be embarrassed by them. Don't be afraid. I'm the wonderful God who can meet those needs, he says, and can come through for you. So they're positive power in needs today and we need to bring our needs for forgiveness and our needs for blessing to the Lord and not allow fear to grip us during this time as I close right now I'm going to pray with you and if you feel you know I've got such a need for forgiveness can God forgive me yes he can the more the need the more wonderful he becomes the light shines brighter in the darkness so bring that to him today and I'm going to pray but today, if you have needs, financial needs, emotional needs, business needs, you need a salary needs, may you be unemployed. You, you're worried about what's going to happen after this. I tell you what, that need will bring people to you and you'll lean on God and you'll pray and you'll see God do amazing things. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message. 